Thank you for joining us today at Revolution 22. We are a church in downtown Boise, Idaho. As we learn from God's word in the book of John, we pray that his word would be received and would bear fruit in your life. Our scripture reading this morning comes from John 10, 1 to 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before them, all all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon, and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? God, thank you so much for this morning, Father to worship together in spirit and in truth. And we just ask that your spirit rest here with us, God, that you would reveal to our hearts what you would have us to understand and know from your word. And we lift up John as he brings your word this morning. Uh, just make it clear to us what you'd have us learn. Let our hearts be moldable and open, God. And we just praise you for the freedom to praise you, Father, and the freedom to read your word openly. And we love you, God, and we just give you all the glory this morning. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. And uh, before we get into God's Word this morning, I, I, want to, I want to thank all of you. I want to thank you for your prayers towards Rev. 22 and for your prayers towards the elders and pastors of our church. And uh, God has been taking care of us and leading us in the season when Bren is not here. He's on a sabbatical break. And uh, thank you for loving him and his family. They're in Boise right now. And uh, they'll be joining us in the end of August. So we're holding our breath. And waiting for them to come back to us. So continue to pray for them and love them and, and uh, be a good neighbor, be a good friend to them in the season. All right, so we are going to 
continue from last week and the week before from John 9. We heard Danny talk and teach us through those two, uh, two parts of that, of that sermon in John 9. And uh, something we want, to keep in, we want to keep in mind when we look at Scripture is that the way we see today with the verses and chapters, the way it's broken down, it was not that way when it was first written. These manuscripts were just one document, except for a few of the poetical, po- poetic books. All the epistles and gospels were written as one document. And so these were added on in the 1500s, most likely for our convenience to find passages easily, right? So if you look at, look at the Gospel of John, if you look at 8 and 9 and 10, and if you removed the whole idea of verses and chapters, you'll see that there's no, there's no break in the way they end. There is no transition from chapter 9 and chapter 10. So we have to continue where we left off from chapter 9. So we see in chapter 9, we see this beautiful story of a man who was born blind, how Jesus heals him, and how he is now thrown out of the temple. And Jesus finds him where he is outside the camp. And this, this blind man sees Jesus for the first time, and he worships Jesus. That's how chapter 9 ends. And then, without skipping a beat, without a transition, we see chapter 10. And, and I, I want us to be able to sit in this passage, and uh, I don't know if the blind man was still there or not, but I, I, I believe that he was here, that this was the first message he heard. This was the gospel he, he heard for the first time. And the people who were, who, were, who were taunting him and throwing him out of the temple may have also been there hearing what Jesus is saying in this passage. And today, my desire is that you will be able to hear the uniqueness of the gospel. And, and those of us over here today who have been saved and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to rejoice because the gospel is a beautiful, beautiful reality of how much a Savior loves us. And I think so often as believers, we, we've heard this and we've kind of graduated from the gospel. And I want us to be amazed because if, if the gospel cannot amaze us, then there's something wrong in what we believe. So I, I invite you to listen to the gospel along with this blind man who's hearing it for the first time. And this morning, if, if there's someone, if there's anyone here who, who may have known Jesus, who you know the name, you've been around churches, and you know the stuff, but you've never seen him as your Lord and Savior, I, I pray that this morning that you, your eyes will be opened as how the eyes of the blind men were open, that you will see Jesus for who really he is. So, so today we're going to look at the uniqueness of the gospel based on this chapter from John 10, from verses 1 to 21. And Jesus begins this very, very beautiful conversation, actually it's, it's more of a narration, from a place of known facts. He talks about sheep. It was a very common thing back in the day. People knew about sheep. He begins from a place of the natural to reveal the beauty of the supernatural. He's taking them from the mundane to reveal the mystery of who he is. And verse 1 in chapter 10 says, Truly, truly, I say to you. And I want to pause there because the word truly, truly, if you have a KJV or another version, you might see it it may say, Verily, verily, I say unto you. And in the Greek, it's actually amen and amen. Amen and amen. When Jesus is saying that, he's saying, I want you to listen. I want you to stop what you're doing and I want you to pay attention because this is very important. Truly, truly, I say to you, verily, verily, I say unto you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. 
before we talk about the gospel, I, we need to spend some time in, in who these thieves and robbers that Jesus is talking about. This isn't a reference to Satan, just so you know. It, back in the time of, of this time, and we see this in Isaiah and Jeremiah, we see that political and spiritual leaders were often called shepherds in the ancient world. Now, we use the word thief and robber interchangeably, but they are different. A thief is someone who is an embezzler, who is a pilferer, someone who is crafty and who is able to smooth talk you into your confidence only to steal and stab you and take what you want from. This name is transferred to false teachers who do not care to instruct men but abuse their confidence for their own gain. And robbers are plunderers, someone who is aware of what they are doing and they plunder in a bold manner without any remorse or care for the people they are taking advantage of. You know, I can think of many kinds of people who might fit in this category. Church leaders who abuse members with their authority. Preachers who build a strong following based on their own flamboyance or charisma, but don't offer their followers much true meat. Preachers who overemphasize the prosperity gospel for monetary gain, depriving their followers of the instruction they need to hear. Cult leaders or cultish leaders who delude others into believing that they have the one true way. And I could name more, but I think that's enough. Now these, these thieves and robbers that Jesus is talking about are false shepherds, and they are the opposite of the gospel. They are everything that Jesus is not. And he's saying this to someone, to a blind man who just experienced that who just saw that happen. Well, he didn't see it. He was blind, right? Well, you get the joke. I, I know. He, yeah, he experienced being under the abuse of spiritual authority that was not godly. And, and the truth is that I'm sure that some of you here have experienced spiritual abuse in your own life. I'm sure that there's someone here. There's more than one of us here. I'm one of them too who have been subjugated under spiritual abuse. And as, as one of the elders of Rev, I ask you for your forgiveness for what has been done to you. Not because I or any of the elders who are here are any better than those who caused pain to you. And I think that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the lie, that we are not any better than them. We are not. There's a good chance that I have caused hurt to some of you here. There's a chance that some of us who are in leadership at Rev have caused you hurt in an ungodly way. But if we are submitted to Christ, if, if I am submitted to Christ and to his word and to each other and to one another, then I will not fall in this trap of being a false teacher. So I, I just felt like we had to sit in this for a little bit. To, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God in his mercy has you still in his fold that you're still here. And I'm thankful that God is working in you, that God is healing you, that God is building you up again because he still loves you. He'll always love you, no matter what you've been through. Amen? So moving on in the uniqueness of the gospel, I just love the way Jesus begins this in verse 2. He says, But he who enters, but he who enters by the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. And the first thing I want to mention is that the, the, the good shepherd entered 
the good shepherd showed up, the good shepherd entered so that you will have hope. So that you will have hope. The sheep have no place to go until the shepherd enters into the sheepfold every morning. For the sheep, the shepherd meant life. The ability to move, to be led out to, and back in to find food, to find water. And this is crazy because the, the survival of the sheep depended on the arrival of the shepherd every day. The, the sheepfold had nothing for them to offer. They would die in there if the shepherd did not arrive in the morning. Every day the shepherd came and he was hope. He was their chance to be alive. And isn't that true about us? That, that Christ, this is the gospel, that Christ entered our world. He showed up. He stepped down from the heaven and into our broken world so that we may have life. We may have life in him. John 10 verse 10 echoes this. He, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came, I entered, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Acts 17 verse 28 puts it beautifully. It says, for in him we live and move and have our being. Everything that we are is because he showed up, because he came into our world. We were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses, but he came. The good shepherd came, and now we have life. Verse 3 goes on further to talk about the uniqueness of the gospel. In verse 3, Jesus says, to him the gatekeeper opens. And many scholars believe that the gatekeeper that Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit. Because we cannot see Jesus until the Holy Spirit opens our hearts and our spiritual eyes to see him. And then he says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You know, back in the day, many shepherds would share the same, the same sheepfold. They would share it. And the sheep may get separated at night from their flocks and the sheepfold. But in the morning, when the shepherd called, when he called out, Everything got sorted out because the sheep knew the voice of the shepherd. So the second thing I want to mention is about the uniqueness of the gospel is that unless he calls, you will never know him. Unless he calls, you will never know him. It's a very, very personal voice when God calls us by our name. You know, the shepherd does not call out his flock. The shepherd, it says, he calls his own one at a time by name. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, By, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by what? By name. You are mine. You know, the gospel is so beautiful because it's unique. In spite of the, the, of the Savior loving the world, He calls us individually by name into His fold. He knows you. Your shepherd knows you. The good shepherd knows you. And I think maybe that is what you had to hear this morning. Maybe that is it, that God knows you. God knows what you've been through. God knows what you're going through. He knows what triggers you. He knows what makes you depressed, what makes you angry. He knows why you are broken. He knows about your health. He knows about your job situation. He knows about your kids. He knows every struggle you have. He knows you very, very intimately. He is the good shepherd. You know, it, it goes further in Isaiah 49, verse 16, this very, very intimate, intimate imagery of how much God knows us and how much he loves us. It says, Behold, I have engraved, I have engraved you 
on the palms of my hand. Not palm, on the palms of my hand. That is how much, that is how much God loves you. That is how much the shepherd knows you. Isn't that beautiful? So, so far we've seen about the uniqueness of the gospel is that the, the good shepherd entered so that we can have hope. The next thing we learn is that unless he calls, you will never know him. The third thing I want to mention about the uniqueness of the gospel is that unless he leads, you will never follow him. We, we see this in verses 4 and 5. It's, Jesus says, When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. <clears throat> I want to make mention of this because this is important for us to know that fleeing does not mean that they are safe. Fleeing does not mean that they are out of trouble or danger. Fleeing does not mean that they are able to defend themselves. They, these sheep are incapable of being led to safety without a shepherd. And unless he leads us, we cannot follow and I love how David, David sings this song in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 23. He says in verse 3, he says, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his own name's sake. When we follow, when we follow him, we are always under his care. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. When he leads us, by definition, he meets every obstacle, every hardship, every challenge before it comes our way. And I, I don't know what you are going through right now in your life, in your family. I don't know what's happening in your story. But I guarantee you that the Good Shepherd is always ahead of you. He's always leading you. That nothing can happen to you without his knowledge. Even though how, how hard, how difficult it could be that you're facing, the beauty is that the Good Shepherd has already walked ahead of you. And he knows what you're going through. You will not step on any, on, in, on any path that he hasn't walked on before. Isn't that beautiful? That is the gospel. That is the gospel that, that the Lord, our Savior, is always walking ahead of us. He's always with us. You know, we see in verse 6 that these people who are hearing, they don't get it. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus here is trying to make the Jewish listeners understand how much the sheep depend on the shepherd. The, sh the sheep cannot survive. They have no life. They have no chance of survival without the shepherd. And he's making this very clear to the listener. And the second thing he wants them to understand is that, that they are the sheep, that we are the sheep, that we have no chance of making it. We have no hope of making it without the shepherd. And Jesus goes a little further in talking about the gospel. In verses 7, 8, and 9, he says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, amen and amen, I say to you, listen up, listen carefully. I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. He says it again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
You know, there are seven I am statements in the book of the Gospel of John, and, and two of them are in today's passage. This is the first one, I am the door. You know, the, the, the sheepfold was an enclosed, tall, walled encampment, okay? There was only one doorway in, these, in this sheepfold, and the shepherd would, would usually sleep in the doorway of the sheep, of the sheepfold. And Jesus here is saying that he didn't just make a door, that he is the door. There's a difference there. And he says that I am the door. So the point that I want to make is that unless he is the door, you have no way in or no way out. The door was a guarantee that they can go in for the night for safety and they can go out tomorrow for pasture and for water. For the sheep, the door is the starting point in the morning and the destination when the sun sets for them to go back into the sheep's pen. And this is the beauty that Jesus is not just pointing us to the Father, that he is the starting point, he is the journey, he is the bridge, and he is the destination. He is the door. In John 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And dear church, there is no other door. There is no other door on earth. There is no other higher power if you're wondering, there's no other higher power that can save you. There is no other meditation or whatever you want to do, whatever you want to call it, that can save you from, where you, from, where, from your brokenness. Only Christ can. He is the door. He is the door. The door is a sign of hope for the sheep, that there's life beyond this muggy, smelly sheepfold. The door is a sign of safety and security, regardless of the perils and dangers that are outside of the sheepfold. So I want to ask you, do you believe that you are safe within his care? Do you believe that, that, that Jesus knows all that is, that's it's out there? Do you believe that, he, that your cares and worries are his to figure out? Or is it yours to figure out? You know, I think so often we, we think that we know more than the shepherd as the sheep. We think we have it figured out. We think we have a plan. We think we're very capable of making this work and doing it right. The shepherd knows much more than we do, much more than we can handle. He knows what's going on. And he would lead us to safety. He'd lead us to the pastures because he knows what he's doing. So unless he's the door, you have no way in or no way out. Now Jesus goes further and he, he gets a little, here's where I think it really gets beautiful because, even more beautiful because you see Jesus not talking about him being the good shepherd. And the way he defines it is, is unheard of to the, to the Jewish listener and even to us too. It's, it's strange. Uh, we see this in verses 10 through 15. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then verse 11, this is a beautiful passage. It says, I am, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and is, not, and, and is not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. 
And he says this again. He says, I am, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I want to pause here. Because this would have been crazy talk for the Jewish listener. You know, sheep are not usually pets, correct? They're not pets. And they're not trophy animals either. They're not exotic animals. You know, um, my, my family and I, we went to the zoo, the Boise Zoo, a couple of weeks ago. We saw the whole thing in 15 minutes, right? <laughs> Slow walking. I'm kidding. <laughs> it was better than that. You know, we took some photos. We saw the giraffes and the, the penguins and all the fun stuff. And uh, one animal we did not see in the zoo was sheep, right? Now, if we'd seen sheep, we'd have asked for, the, for a refund for that, you know? Because I've seen sheep in India, in, in Indian Zoo, which is crazy, you know? What's, you know? But we don't see sheep in zoos. We don't see, because we know that this is a very common animal that shouldn't belong in a zoo. It's not endangered. It's not special. It's a sheep, right? And they only have one purpose. And that is to be a source of food and clothing for humans. That's it. And I was thinking about what would be an equivalent comparison to our culture, to our time, about you know, how do we see, do we have any creature that we kind of live with and or we, we raise um, that provides food and you know, that kind of stuff, right? And I thought maybe chickens, because some of us have chickens, right, in our, in our backyard and provide egg and meat. Now, would you want to die for your chicken? Right? It sounds crazy, right? That's, that's, how, that's how this would have been. Like, no shepherd would die for their sheep. That's how crazy it would have sounded when they heard this. And the fifth point I want to make about the beauty of the gospel is that the good shepherd died so that you may live. The good shepherd died so that you may live. You know, the sheep, the sheep have no worth in themselves, but they have eternal purpose because of the shepherd's love for the sheep. Unless he died, we could not have life. Unless he loved, unless he loved you, we could never know our worth. And this morning, I, I want to remind you that your worth is in Christ and what he's done for you on the cross. I think so often we know these things, we've heard it, we sing about it, but it never really sticks. It doesn't really impact you the way it should impact you. That the God of the universe would die for you and show you how much you're worth. I want to remind you that you are precious in his sight. That you are worth dying for. That the Son of God would die for. Jeremiah 31.3 says this beautifully. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And Jesus goes on further in verse 15, the second part, he says... And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is talking about us, who are not in this conversation that's happening at the time. This is about us, because no one has a monopoly on Christ or the gospel. The gospel is for everyone, regardless of your color, your nationality, your past, your present, or your credit score, right? We all can be in his fold. We are one family. There's one flock and there's one shepherd and that's it. That's the beauty that we can have unity, we can have joy, we can have celebration because we are one body in Christ. And he made that possible because of his son dying for our sins 
and bringing us together into his flock. So I want us to go further because I, I just love the way Jesus be- begins this, this beautiful message of hope by talking about sheep, right? He talks about how we are the sheep. He talks about the door. And he says, I am the good shepherd. I died. I'm gonna, I, I, I will lay my life down for you. This is how much I value. This is how much I love you. And then I like that Jesus always points to the Father, either through a prophecy or through him talking about the Father. We see this in verses 15 through 18. He says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down off my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And this is very important for us to hear and understand and believe that the Good Shepherd is God. The Good Shepherd is God. Otherwise, everything is without purpose. Jesus is not lower than the Father. Jesus was not just a mere man who said cool things. He was not just a good teacher. He is God. Because if you don't believe that he is God, then his death on the cross means nothing. His sacrifice, all his claims mean nothing. I know a lot of friends who believe that Jesus was just a cool guy who said some cool things. That will not take you to heaven. That will not transform your life. Jesus is God. Amen? You guys believe that? That's good. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, I'm, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the sort of thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option to us. He did not intend to. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. So, so far we've learned that he entered so that you will have hope. Unless he calls, you will, not, you will never know him. Unless he leads, you will never follow him. Unless he's the door, you have no way in or out. The good shepherd died so that you may live. The good shepherd is God, otherwise everything is without purpose. So far till now, we see that the plan of salvation, the story of the gospel, right? The beauty of the gospel and the uniqueness of the gospel all rests on the work of Jesus. Everything rests on him. He does all the work. We don't save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot. We are sheep. Now this is the part that we play a role in, in this beautiful story. And we see this in verses 19 to 21. And it says, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. I like how it says, again, because you see over and over again when Jesus talks, there was always confusion and division among people after what they heard. Many of them said, 
he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed or possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You know, this passage reminds me of another passage that, that Luke records of what Jesus said. Luke 12, verse 51 to 53, he says, this is Jesus saying, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather, what? Division. For from now on, in one house, there'll be five divided, three against two and two against three. They'll be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. You get the picture, right? There is division that happens when we accept that he is the good shepherd. Now, Jesus is talking most likely to this guy, this blind man who just experienced this firsthand. His parents have said, he's an adult, you talk to him, you're out of it, right? He's been kicked out of the temple. He's lost everything. And very often we see, I've seen this in India, where when someone accepts Jesus as their savior, guess what? The first thing they experience is being kicked out, is division. They may lose their jobs, they may lose their family, their friends, maybe even their life. There is a difference. There is a division that comes when we accept Jesus to be our Savior, to be our shepherd. The good shepherd, the seventh point I want to make, the last thing is the good shepherd sets you apart. The good shepherd sets you apart. And this word set set apart actually is another word for holiness. When When we follow him and we believe in him, he begins his work of sanctification in our lives and he separates us. He sets, he sets us apart from the world and he sanctifies us to become more like his son, Jesus. You know, I, I want to ask you this question. How, how often do we live lives that don't really look different? Do we look different in the world? Are we set apart? Is there a division among how you live and how the world lives? You know, the funny thing about sheep is that sheep are... Sheep are gregarious. That was a big word, sorry. I just could not say it. Gregarious. But that I mean that sheep band together. They, 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 are a, they, they flock together. They follow one another. But when Christ enters, when, when Jesus becomes our Savior, when He becomes our Shepherd, we stop following one another. We, we follow Him. We follow His voice. That's what He does to the sheep. Are you still following the world? If that's the case, then I really wonder what's going on. You know, in John 15, verse 19, it says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You know, this is the part that I, that I, I, I share this with a very, very heavy heart. Because... You know, I, I truly believe in divine providence. I believe in irresistible grace. I believe in the sovereignty of God. But there is also a human response involved in the story of the gospel. You know, and all creation, all creation shows us glory. We have no excuse. We have no excuse. And it's even more clear that we have no excuse 
when we've heard the gospel. And this is why it's heavy, because if you're someone here who has not accepted Jesus as your Savior, and all creation shows His glory, it's been revealed to you, and now you've heard the gospel, you have no excuse, because there will be another division, another separation when He comes back, when He divides us between the sheep and the goats. You know, I, I, I really pray that if there's anyone here, anyone here who has not known Jesus as their Savior, that they will respond to Him. And at the same time, I want us to, to rejoice if you are someone who has followed Jesus, that you are a sheep in His fold. I want you to rejoice because He is, He is a good shepherd. Amen? So we're going to take communion together. And, and I, I'm going to ask the ushers to pass the communion around. And, and this time as we, as we receive communion, I want us to pray together. I want us to pray and I want us to thank God for being a good shepherd. I want you to think about who, who were you before you met Jesus? How did Jesus change your life? How did the Holy Spirit change your life? In spite of who we are, in spite of how broken we are, Christ continues to lead us and guide us. Thank God for His Word. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. Please visit revolution22.org to find out more information about our church. We remind you to continue to value community. We pray that God's word has drawn you closer to him and that you may continue to love God and love others.